The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. I'm JJ Kissinger, and I um, am on staff here at UPC. And uh, your friends, the Inn staff, asked me to come and share tonight. And then later they were like, oh, yeah, and we're all going to be gone. So I was like, awesome, no rules. I get to do whatever I want. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I work here at the church. I work with a ministry called Side by Side. Has anyone heard of Side by Side? Oh, more of you have than I thought. That's great. So we um, are a ministry that reaches out to families who have kids that are sick. There's a lot of families that come from all over the place to live in Seattle if their kids get sick because they get treatment at Seattle Children's Hospital or live at the Ronald McDonald House. And our ministry um, sets up volunteers from this church with those families to hang out with them throughout the year and help make life a little bit easier. And just a couple of weeks ago, we got done with Camp Side by Side, which is something that we do every summer. For 20 families that have a kid with cancer, they all come to camp, and we create just kind of a week of crazy fun and laughter and togetherness for them. Uh, So that was a great week, and Kaylee was there with us this year, which was fun. Kyle's been there before. So it's a a good week, and um, I love what I do. I love that I get to be part of this church, and I love that I get to be here tonight because we... Um, have a lot of great volunteers from you men that are part of Side by Side, and it's just fun to kind of get to be sharing evening with you all. So thanks for having me. Um, I'm told that you've been talking about freedom the last few weeks, and uh, when they said that that was sort of the topic at hand, I kind of thought, wow, freedom is a bit of a loaded word. <laughs> freedom can mean a lot of different things to different people. It's kind of one of those political words as well. Um, I saw, even just today, there was a bumper sticker on my way into work that said freedom, and it had a picture of two rifles in the shape of a gun, or in the shape of a cross. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting and inspiring. Um, But all sort of political propaganda aside, I do believe that freedom is one of the best gifts that is offered to us in terms of um, pursuing life with Jesus Christ, and so it's a fun thing to be able to talk about. Um, But I feel like it's also one of those things that a lot of us struggle to really live into, especially um, when you're, you know that that's part of what life with Jesus is supposed to be like, that you're supposed to experience this sense of freedom. But on a day-to-day level, I'm not sure that many of us do experience that as much as we might hope to. Um, and in fact, I'm not sure that that's something that people would identify as kind of part of the Christian story. Uh, I, I wonder if we were to go onto the UW campus and ask 100 different people what kind of characteristics they would describe of Christians. What do you think? I mean, throw some things out there. What do you think the ran- a random person on the UW campus would say if you asked them to describe a Christian? Silly? <laughs> yeah, could be. Huh? Hypocritical, judgmental. Anything else? Close-minded. Yeah. I mean, I mean, one would hope that they've maybe met people like yourself and might say, you know, they're really nice and they do, you know, nice things in the world. But I think probably also would be some negative things, that maybe they, those Christians, they love a rule, (laughs) they love to be right, and, you know, hard things like that, that there, uh, a lot of people in the world would view Christians and the church as people that are kind of rule-obsessed and um, kind of hell-bent on having the the right say on things, and freedom is not really a part of that, and I think the bigger bummer is that we don't often feel free as individuals, whether or not you identify with some of those negative things that people categorize as the Christian church. I think, nonetheless, we as individuals don't really feel that free. Um, I would imagine that most of you 
come here tonight and come here on Tuesday nights because on some level you're curious to know Jesus more and you're curious to know more about that freedom that's offered in life with Christ. Um, the truth is that there's a lot of things that stand in the way of that freedom and that we can really fight to search for that freedom, but there's a lot of obstacles that we run into every single day, uh, things that we become slaves to, things that bind us from experiencing that full freedom. It might be something big. It might be a whole series of small things. It might be things that you're not even aware of uh, that are kind of enslaving you or binding you or keeping you from experiencing that freedom of Christ. So uh, it's an interesting thing to think about. What is it that's binding you? What is it that's keeping you from experiencing freedom? It might be addiction. It might be a bad relationship that you're in or a bad friendship. It might be that you struggle with low self-image. It might be that you are lonely. Um, maybe it's just the fact that you look at your life and things are not going the way that you thought that they would, and you're feeling out of control, you're trying to make things happen and it's not working, and you're just generally frustrated and not able to hold on to the hope that God has to offer. All of these things are things that stand in our way, and when we struggle with any one of these things, um, you might come to a community like this looking for some kind of hope, looking for some kind of freedom, and um, sometimes the things that we're given are the advice to pray or to read our Bible, or to come to church. Um, those are good pieces of advice. Those are helpful things. But frankly, I, I don't think that I'm alone when I say that a lot of the time when I've been in a frustrating or complicated time of life and I've been told, hey, just pray about it, or just go to church, and I'm sure you hear something really encouraging. Sometimes those things can end up feeling kind of cold and kind of dry, and sometimes they're just less than helpful. It can feel like you're just going through the motions. Maybe you guys have experienced that too. Uh, there was a story that I thought of that uh, is from one of the families that has come to camp side-by-side side in the past. So, again, these are families who have a kid in their family that has struggled with cancer. Um, and one family that came to camp said that when their kid was diagnosed, their church community really rallied around them and was praying for them, was praying for the healing of their child. Um, but the kid continued to be sick, and all these treatments that they tried weren't really working out. And... Um, when the church community saw that this kid wasn't being healed in the way that they had hoped for and the way that they had prayed for, there were actually people in this church community that confronted the parents and said, hey, you know, we've been praying for your kid and he hasn't been healed and we're just wondering if there's some sin in your life or something that you haven't really prayed about or confessed that might be keeping God from healing your child. That's real. Someone, I mean, that's, that's, that's sometimes how people think about prayer. And to me, that's the absolute opposite of freedom. That makes prayer into something that we do in order to earn God's favor, in order to win God's love. Um, and that has nothing to do with the freedom that's offered. Uh, prayer is a gift. Prayer is a gift that we've been given by God, and prayer is something that should bring all kinds of freedom and all kinds of healing and all kinds of life. But we live in a world where that doesn't always happen. Prayer can feel oppressive or obligatory or... Um, something that we just have to kind of check off the list. It's like sending a thank you card to your grandma. You know, it's like something that you know is the right thing, but it's kind of the last thing on your list of things that you want to do. So that's what I want to talk about tonight, is how do we move to a different place of thinking about prayer in such a way that it brings freedom and life like it was intended to, rather than thinking of this as just kind of another thing that we're supposed to do, uh, even though it doesn't really feel very helpful at all. So um, I wanted to share just about an experience that... Uh, I had in recognizing that I was in a place where prayer felt really not helpful, where I felt sort of like it was this oppressive task that I was supposed to be doing uh, when really there wasn't much life behind it. Um, 
a little context, I would say that I'm someone that's had a pretty nice life. You know, I grew up in Colorado. That's right. And thank you very much. <clears throat> and I had a great family, you know, great childhood, great upbringing, all of these things. Came out to Seattle for college, had a great college experience, got a job that I really liked out of college, married a woman who's here with us tonight who is far too good for me. Don't tell her that. Uh, but she's too good for me. And things were going great. You know, things were kind of plugging along. And then in 2008, we decided that our next move would be to move up to Vancouver, British Columbia, and that I was going to get my Master's of Divinity at Regent College. So it was a three-year program. We'd been married for a few years, and we were like, okay, we're going to do this. It's going to be an adventure. We're going to live in a new place. And we also thought, hey, this would be a really fun time to start a family, start having kids. And all of our friends had gotten married and were having kids, and we just thought, wow, that seems really cool and really exciting. So you know, we had this perfect plan. We even found out that in Canada, if a woman is working and then gets pregnant and has a baby, socialized medicine people, the Canadian government will pay a year of maternity leave for a woman to be at home with their baby. Full salary maternity leave. They pay you to have babies in Canada. We were like, sign us up. We're ready. Let's do it. So we um, were kind of, you know, just living up there. And to make a long story very short, things did not work out like we thought that they would ran into problems having kids. And none of our friends had any problems having kids. It was just like, hey, we're married. We're having kids. Popping them out like crazy. And we were just really surprised. that, And we, we even got to a point of going to see some doctors, trying to figure out what's wrong. Nothing was very clear and all of that. I won't get into the dirty details. But uh, very awkward and very sad and very frustrating and discouraging and kind of embarrassing in a lot of ways. Because obviously, we all know how babies happen. It's kind of a personal situation. So it's hard. it was hard to talk about, and it was hard to be in a new place where we didn't really have any friends to kind of walk with us through that journey. Uh, we landed up in a place where life looked nothing like what we expected. We had no idea what to do. There were no clear answers, and we were so frustrated. Did I mention that everyone in the world was having babies during this season of our life? It seemed like everywhere that we turned, there was people that were just like effortlessly popping out babies all over the place. One time, this was maybe a little bit kind of crazy to me, but I thought, gosh, it feels like everyone's, all of our friends are having babies. I should count how many people have had babies during this season. Of, it was about two and a half or three years that, that we waited for this to happen. It was like 50 couples. Have you ever had that experience where you're like, everyone else around me is getting the thing that I want and I'm not getting it? It was the worst. It was the absolute worst. Um, so here we were, you know, in this place of, total sort of chaos and frustration and, and sadness. And we were kind of going through those same motions that we've kind of gone through our whole lives of trying to pray, trying to read scripture, trying to write in our journals and go to church and, you know, looking for truth or encouragement of some kind to kind of carry us through. Um, but the more that we did that, the more empty it felt. The more that I tried to, to um, seek out God and to find out what was going on to get answers from God about why this was happening, uh, the more frustrating I felt. You know, it was just more like talking into this empty void. I didn't feel known. I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel cared for. I felt really far away from God. We both did. We cried a lot of tears during that time. It was a pretty terrible season. Um, I want to pause that story right there, and I want to give you guys a chance to sort of turn to one another and just talk about what we're talking about so far. Um, this idea that sometimes prayer, this great gift that we've been given, this great opportunity to connect with God, can sometimes feel complicated or foreign or oppressive or like just kind of another thing on the to-do list. It can sometimes feel empty or vacant. Um, so you can talk to each other in general terms about maybe what are some of the things that happen in life that make prayer 
feel like it's everything it's cracked up to be. Uh, or you can share, for instances, about your own life when you've been in a place where you struggled to um, find connection with God in prayer and maybe what some of the things were about life that were happening in that time. Does that question make sense? What are some of the things that can stand in the way of prayer, either in general or personal experiences that you've had where you've had a really hard time figuring out how prayer fits into your life? Okay, so take a couple minutes to talk about that. Ready, set, go. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull everybody back together. I'm gonna pull everybody back together. Hopefully, I cut you off while you still had stuff to talk about, rather than waiting until there was like the awkward. So, you like French fries? I like French fries. Um, okay, so picking up the story where we left off. Discouraging, frustrating season. Felt pretty desolate, pretty desperate. Um, we found ourselves scratching our heads, kind of thinking, gosh, we've been doing all of this praying and doing all of this thinking and hoping and journaling and all of this stuff, and um, no, none of it seems to be working. You know, there's kind of the, the results part that you're waiting for, especially when you're just praying for this one thing that feels like a pretty, we weren't like praying to win the lottery or praying to get five Corvettes or something. It was like praying to be part of this way that humans were designed to kind of continue human life, right? Pretty normal thing to pray for. Um, but it wasn't happening. So we were just kind of thinking, gosh, we must be missing something. All of this feels kind of empty all of a sudden. We're not even sure if anyone's out there. So we were very open to new ways of engaging with God about some of this stuff. We were very open to new ideas for feedback, um, guidance about what is it that we can do or try to um, not feel like there was just nothing out there, to not feel like we were just praying into this empty void. Um, we had heard about this weekend course that was being offered through the school that I was at that was a kind of a retreat-style course about prayer. And we had heard that the guy that teaches it was this, like, super charismatic guy. And I don't know if anyone grew up in kind of a more charismatic church environment. I grew up in a very conservative Presbyterian environment where if you were, like, singing and worshiping like this, you were considered, like, super out there and kind of crazy. So there was a lot about the charismatic church that I felt very uncomfortable with, and I had heard that this was, um, you know, a place where during worship there were people that would sort of dance around with banners and things like that, and I thought, that's really weird. But I thought, I'm open, I'm going to try it, I'm just going to see what this is like. And uh, the experience that we had there, the things that I kind of learned and was challenged to think about were, on one hand, like pretty basic kind of normal things that weren't necessarily new information, but on the other hand, uh, just kind of the way that it all happened, it just really struck a chord with me and really changed my life, honestly. And so I want to share a little bit about what I learned there uh, with you guys because I think it um, it can be very disappointing and very discouraging when you find yourself in a place of feeling distant from God, and I think that's so opposite of what God wants. I think that's so opposite of the freedom and relationship that God has to offer us. So, um, you know, I I hope that this can kind of can kind of resonate. Um, the guy that taught this class explained that we often look at prayer as like a drive-through window. Um, that, you know, we kind of pull up and we have our little list of things that we ask for, and then we kind of pull up to the next window and just wait to get it all. I was talking to Trent, and he was saying sometimes prayer feels like a Christmas list, you know, that you're just kind of jotting off all the things that you want and hope for, that there's not a lot of back and forth. Um, and that can feel, I mean, I think we've all been there, you know, the kind of this hoping that God will grant all of our wishes. And it can feel really discouraging when you don't get what you ask for. Because you think, gosh, I'm asking with good motivations, and I'm asking nicely. I said, please. Nothing's happening. So you end up kind of wondering, like, hello, is this thing on? Does anyone hear me? Is anyone acknowledging me? I'd, 
like fries with that, but there's nothing. So um, he talks about how we do that, but then when you look at Scripture and when you look at what Jesus had to say about prayer, it looks really different. And he talked about, um, in the Gospel of John, there's a story when Jesus is, it's right before Jesus was crucified and died. And he's with his disciples, all of his friends that he would hang out with, kind of the closest people. And he knew what was coming, and he was trying to help them get ready for it. He was trying to explain to them, okay, this is what's going to happen. He was trying to get them ready for what it was going to be like when he was gone. Um, he spent most of the night talking about how much he loved them, how much he wanted them to share that love with each other. But then he gets to this part where he says something pretty interesting about the Holy Spirit. It's in John 14. He says this. He says, all of this I've spoken while I'm still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus was saying that when he was gone, there would be this Holy Spirit that would be sent to remind us of everything that he had said. This Holy Spirit would kind of be the ongoing reminder in our lives of all of the wonderful and encouraging and hopeful truths that Jesus preached and lived out in his ministry on earth. Um, he wanted the Spirit to remind us that we're loved, that we belong to him, that he is present with us. Jesus also said the Spirit would bring peace, a peace that is beyond anything that we could kind of muster up on our own. That we would receive peace from the Spirit as a gift. And then he said a little bit more in John 16. He said, I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So that's kind of incredible. He says that this Holy Spirit will guide us into truth based on what the Spirit hears from God. So that means that God has more to say to us. That means that God is interested and invested and wants to um, tell us things about our life, that he knows about all of the details and all of the specifics of what's happening in our stories, and he wants to speak into that as an encouragement along the way as we move through our journey. So we know that God speaks through Scripture. We know that we can open the Bible and see how God has worked through history. We know that that's alive and that that applies to us as well. But I think what's happening right now is that Jesus is saying that there's this Holy Spirit that has really specific words of truth and of hope and of freedom to offer each one of us as we move through our day-to-day -day lives. And that's a pretty fantastic promise. Because what do you think that when it says he'll say only what God tells him, what do you think God wants to talk about? Us. Remember, God made us. God loves us. God is obsessed with us. God, we're the apple of God's eye. We're his creation. And he's so excited about us and so proud of us. And he wants us to know how much we love him. So that's what he's telling the Spirit to tell us. Hey, remind them how much I love them. Remind them that I'm with them. That's the message. And it's a nice idea, but I think the natural question is, well, how do I tune in to that? How do I get in on that action? How do I, how do I learn to listen what's happening. Because often, you know, when we pray and we're encouraged to listen to the voice of God, I, for one, spent a lot of time trying to pray and, like, clear my mind and hear the voice of God. And I was just hoping that it would be like, JJ, this is the kind of car that you should buy. And then I'd be like, okay, yes, Lord. And then everything would work out great. Or, you know, it's like the neon sign thing. that It never, usually does, I shouldn't say never, but it often does not really work out like that. And sometimes it can be really frustrating because, of course, we all have a friend that that's 
happened for. You know, like I heard God say so clearly. You think, wow, that sounds really nice and helpful, but I've never really heard that. Um, when we try to step beyond this kind of drive-through mentality and listen to God, you know, what do we do? We sit down and we go, okay, I'm going to listen to God. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm going to clear my mind and just be totally focused. But then instantly, what happens? You get totally distracted, right? The minute that you say you're going to clear your mind is the minute that every thought that you could ever possibly think enters into your brain. It's like if I was to say, okay, everybody, don't think of an elephant. Try it. You're all thinking of elephants right now. I don't care what you're trying to think about. There's an elephant there. Am I right? So it's the same thing. You try to not be distracted, but there you are, feeling totally distracted. But remember, praying and listening to God is not an obligation that we have to fulfill. It's a gift that we receive. It's a gift that God really wants us to receive. So think of it this way, that God gave us these brains that have the capacity for all of these different thoughts. God gave us our imaginations. What if... God intended for those imaginations to be the backdrop that the Holy Spirit uses, the, the backdrop, the canvas that the Holy Spirit writes our story on, writes the truths of God on. What if instead of trying to block out all of those random thoughts that pop into our mind, we just simply ask the Holy Spirit, what, what brought that to mind? What's that for? Why did you have me think about that? What if those things are purposeful? What if there's something to all of those things that pop into our mind? What if all you can think about is the one class that you have that's totally stressing you out? Maybe that's not a distraction. Maybe the Spirit's trying to tell you something about that class and how that is involved with your life. We don't ask, and we're not going to know unless we ask the question. And we won't hear unless we listen, right? One mouth, two ears. Talk as listen twice as much as we talk, right? Um, that's how I think we tune in to this truth and goodness from the Holy Spirit. It's not a crystal ball. It's not fortune-telling. It's just an opportunity to be guided back to the truth that God wants to give us. So we practiced some of this stuff <clears throat> in the class that we took, and it was really new to me, but it was really um, pretty encouraging. It was encouraging to have the chance to practice. You know, he kind of framed it like, we're just going to try this, and this is something that you can continue to try, and it might feel weird and awkward if you've never really done this before, but you should keep trying, and you'll learn that it feels more natural the more that you do it. And that was such an encouraging thing, and I can say that I've continued to grow in my understanding and practice of this, and that there's been some pretty amazing things that I've experienced with, with the Lord in the midst of it. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can practice listening prayer, but I want to try one thing together, that it's not like an interactive thing between you and your neighbor necessarily. It's just something that, uh, kind of an exercise that I'd like to guide you through, if that's okay. <clears throat> uh, what we're going to do, it's called the meeting place. So it's an exercise that we can do where we kind of enter into it trusting that the Holy Spirit has good things to say to us, trusting that the Holy Spirit has freedom to share with us. And we do this believing that our imaginations are a tool that can be used by the Holy Spirit. We do this believing that the things that pop into our mind are not a distraction, but that they're there for a reason. And that God's trying to tell us something about how much he loves us. So um, I'm going to pray, and then I'll kind of explain what we're going to do. Okay? Lord Jesus, thank you for this great gift of prayer. Thank you for the gift that you speak to us, that you have so much more to tell us. Um, sometimes it's more than we can even bear, and we're thankful that you've given us the gift of your Spirit that acts as a translator and a communicator to us. Um, thank you for the voice of your Spirit that, even though sometimes it might be hard to understand and hard to hear, uh, that the promise is that there are good things being spoken to us and to our hearts. I pray that you would use this time to help us tune our hearts to you, that you would open our hearts and minds that we might hear your voice and that we might leave here changed and encouraged. 
that we might leave here more free. In your name we pray. Smart water, a little smart feedback. Um, <clears throat> okay, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and don't fall asleep. <coughs> and that might be a big enough challenge, but just close your eyes and um, I'm going to ask you to imagine some things. Go ahead and close your eyes, don't feel weird. Um, I just want you to listen, pay attention, think about what the Holy Spirit might be bringing to your mind as I ask. Um, you might be wondering, gosh, is that the Holy Spirit, or is that just me? Is that indigestion? What? I'm not sure. But don't overthink it, okay? So just, if you have questions about why things are popping into your mind, just ask, Lord, why did you bring that to my mind? Okay? So the first thing I want you to imagine is this question. If you could meet God in a perfectly safe place, where would it be? If you could meet God in a perfectly safe place, where would that be? I want you to imagine yourself there. It could be, um, well, just imagine, imagine, what's the scene? What, what, where are you in this place? Where are you in the whole scene? What's around you? What do you see? What do you smell? How do you feel when you're there? Here's an interesting question. How old are you in this scene? It could be that it's a place like your bedroom, somewhere familiar. It could be place that you visited. Uh, it could be a totally made-up place. Try to think of just what, what came into your mind and go with that. So this place where you could meet God, it might be that it's a place that's connected to a really great memory. It might be connected to a difficult time. Think about all those things. So now the second thing to think about is if Jesus were to come to you in that place, how would he come? That might be kind of an odd question, but I'll just say that it might not be the white guy with the beard. <laughs> um, in scripture we see Jesus described as a lion and as a lamb. Uh, Jesus wants to come to you in a way that feels safe might not make sense, um, but don't be afraid to ask him why he came the way that he did. Think about where is Jesus in the picture. Is he near? Is he far away? Can you see the expression on his face? The last question is, what's the first thing that Jesus would say to you? Again, the question is not, is that Jesus or is that just my imagination? The question is, is that true? <coughs> Do the words of Jesus align with the kingdom of God that he describes in Scripture? Do Jesus' words for you align with what we know to be true about how much God loves you? You can open your eyes. That's it. 
That is a simple exercise of prayer. And it might be that that was really strange and that you're thinking, I don't really know what that means or that you didn't really have anything pop into your mind. It might be that that was really interesting and different and encouraging to you. Um, I know that sometimes for me, I'll do this and kind of think, that was odd. But then I might kind of make some notes and write down what I remember. And then even just that action kind of makes a little bit more sense of why things happened the way that they did. Um, sometimes it's helpful to write that down. Sometimes it's helpful to revisit these thoughts a day or two later to kind of think about, oh, maybe that makes a little bit more sense. And sometimes, frankly, it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's kind of odd and peculiar, and this is that's kind of why the practice piece happens, because um, it is something that's hard to tune into. It's hard to kind of get your mind around this sometimes. But um, I can tell you that when I did that, uh, what I experienced was, you know, remember kind of in this mode of, already feeling very vulnerable about the state of life that we were in and um, feeling very vulnerable that I didn't mention this, but you know, I was in seminary trying to kind of do my learning about Jesus and God, <coughs> and here I was in this place of hardly able to even pray or open my Bible without feeling pretty disgusted and pretty distant from God. So that felt really bad to me. I felt like I should be able to do this. I should be able to just make it happen and lean in and figure it out. Um, so when we were going through this exercise in the class, and we were asked to imagine a place where we, where we would meet God, I instantly thought of this beach that I had visited in Australia. Um, and it's this beautiful beach that my buddy and I were camping on, and it was like the most secluded, beautiful, magical place that I've ever been. And as I thought about that later, I thought, well, of course that's where I would be, because it was like the absolute farthest away that I could imagine from being where I was. Um, that was a place that I was before I was married. It was a place that felt really safe, really distant from everything else. Um, so I think that, to me, felt like the safest place that I could be. It was far away from all of the things that were all up in my face. And when Jesus came, the, the thing that I first thought of was that it was like he was my older brother. And I don't have an older brother, but I, it, he just kind of rolled in like this casual, chilled out, comfortable, safe person that knew me, you know, that had known me my whole life, cared about me a lot. Uh, and just came like that. It just felt super instantly very comfortable. And then um, when the question was, what would he say to you? It was just so clear that it was like he looked at me and he just said, it's really great to see you. I really miss you. It's great to be with you. And that was life-changing for me. It was life-changing to just go, wow, Jesus wants to be with me. Even if it's not making sense or even if I'm not getting what I want, the point is not getting what I want. The point is just being with Jesus and allowing him to wash over me with truth and with love and with grace. And that was an unbelievably freeing experience of understanding God's presence. And the more that I practiced this habit, the more aware I became of Jesus' love for me, and also the more aware I became of the areas in my life where I was still in need of freedom and in need of healing. And as the process went on, there was all of these new things that I discovered about God's love for me and God's desire to heal me. Um, and some pretty amazing things happened. So when we look back on that time of life, when we prayed for all of those years for new life in the form of a baby, um, we look back and go, actually, God answered that prayer for new life. When we prayed for new life, God gave us new life in him. God gave us new life in learning what it means to listen to him, learning what it means to receive his freedom, uh, and learning what it means to receive his grace. And that meant more than anything. That was more than we could have even asked for or imagined. Um, and the crazy thing is that Later, we had a baby. <laughs> Our baby girl just turned a year old in July. And um, 
what's kind of wild is that it didn't at all feel like once we figured out all that stuff, God answered our prayer. It was more like God answered our prayer by showing us more of himself. And when we had the baby, we realized that that wasn't it. That God's self-revelation was the thing, and that the baby was just kind of the sugar on top. So um, it was life-changing, and I, I hope that um, this is something that might become a tool that you might reference to in those moments of life when you sit down and you want to hear from God and you're not really sure um, how to navigate that. But this is kind of, I found it to be a pretty simple framework and a pretty easy way to kind of tune in to what's true, um, to learn to receive God's love and friendship more. So that's going to be my prayer for you guys as you head into the new school year and all of the crazy stresses that that brings. So let me just pray for you for us. God, what a gift to know that you care about us and that you're invested in the details of our life. What a privilege to know that you hear every word that we pray. And even better, that you don't just hear us, but that you have stuff to say to us. Imagine that you, the God of the universe, wants to speak your truth and your love into our lives specifically. If you want to address the specific things that are stressing us out and frustrating us and disappointing us. And that you want to heal us of those things that are keeping us enslaved and keeping us from knowing you and being free in you. Lord, your gifts are good, and we want more and more of them. So I pray that you would help us to know you more, that you would help us to hear from you more, and that we would find your freedom uh, every time. Thanks for these people, and thank you for all the things that you've 